they're taking what you're saying to them, and they're hoping that you are what you talk. Let's be about everything we drop, because we're going to get tested on it. If, we, if, if the people on the street don't test us on it, God's going to test us on it. Kill the Mockingbird, Truth or Report, with Sean Chris and Sebastian Farr. Kick his ass, Steve Ash. Wake up! Wake up, America! America. Outspoken men in our community more than ever now. And, uh, you know, time is running out. Yeah, it seems that way. That's crazy that you said that because when I had, uh, that was almost like the theme of my show with Clint Russell from uh, the Liberty Report. He kept saying, Time is running out. Like, we're, there's still time, but we're getting close. <laughs> Funny enough, I haven't even li- I haven't even listened to that well, yet. I, I want to. You though. can't because I haven't uh, put it out. <laughs> well, there you go. But I am getting up on Those the editing. little coincidences where uh, I think we're all vibing on the same frequency here. Yeah, I definitely think that. And uh, you know, I started off with that supercut of uh, that whole white supremacy shit. I just added a little uh, ambiance music to make it a little bit more tense. And then I just wanted to start off with our clip, uh, a clip of Ron Johnson, uh, to just kind of go over that january 6th bullshit again uh just like covid again like we're gonna always go probably back to a lot of stuff because that's the propaganda tool that they're using so here's ron johnson what we were talking about last week a little bit about the 38 percent of the people that uh got let in i think it's extremely important to create an accurate historical record of exactly what happened so the false narrative of thousands of arms insurrectionists doesn't last so that is why I have my staff going and reviewing the relevant parts of the 14 hours worth of surveillance, and we're finding out some pretty interesting things. Can you tell us some of the things you're finding out? I think some of what we saw was that the Capitol Police were, were allowing people to come in to the building. Well, well, to, to that point, on, on Thursday, I wrote a letter to uh, the acting uh, chief of police, uh, Ms. Pittman, and asking her to further describe what we witnessed at the, the West Terrace doorway uh, that basically was opened from the inside by people exiting the building. Once it was opened, we counted up to about 309 people entering that uh, that door. And, uh, you know, uh, I think five police officers met them. That There was there was no violence that we could tell. Uh, but that, that's about how about 38 percent of the approximately 800 people entered the Capitol. Uh, no confrontation. They just basically walked in the door. And so I, I want to know a little bit more about that. I'd like to be able to interview those those officers, exactly what happened. Of course, we've seen we've seen video. Uh, Julie Kelly's been doing a good job of uh, monitoring all of the the uh, court documents on this. But we've seen plenty of video of people in the Capitol and, and they weren't riding. It, they don't it doesn't look like an armed insurrection when you have people that breach the Capitol. And I don't condone it, but they're staying within the rope lines in the rotunda. That's not what an armed insurrection would look like. I mean, tons of us were saying that from the from the jump. You know, I mean, he's been uh, Ron Johnson. Yeah, both of us right away were like, dude, they were like walking in the ropes. <laughs> that was it the was, most significant. It was literally a boomer evidence. meme tour. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's what it was with the sprinkling of, you know, glowing federales, if you will. And I think that uh, it's just overblown, and the, that's why I kind of entered with that whole the DVE, the domestic violent extremist, because that's what they're pushing. Along with, they're just sprinkling a bunch of things together at the moment because I think that none can stick on their own. You know what I mean? You can't get the whole population with just COVID. They did at a moment, but now that that like uh, it's sort of breaking. I know that 
people are still kind of holding on to some of that uh, mass stuff. But not, I think little by little, it's like our prediction, uh, what I was predicting, remember, I was like, man, summer. And then little by little, it is coming like that. You're seeing less mass. Uh, even people in California are telling me, they're like, yeah, man, there's a, there's not as many less masks as they would like, you know, more people are wearing them still, but a lot you're seeing it because it's hot, man. Who the fuck wants to I mean, wear the that same thing happened school? last summer, but, but here it's been kind of a whole different thing. You know, I kind of like to, uh, support and go, you know, through various local small businesses. Uh, I'll take my money, how little it is and spend it there. But I mean, just freak like the last couple of weeks, it's been kind of crazy. Like the number of them that are like just completely mask off, uh, you know, the signage is even gone and they're over it, you know, whether they're vaxxed or not. The, the, the beautiful thing is there's no sort of verification process, like even in big box stores in my area right now in California, northern California, um, where they have a, you know, they're letting non-mass people go in. They're, they're assuming they're vaccinated, but they're not. And so, you know, I mean, I haven't been wearing a mask the whole time unless I at the very most required to, but it's kind of cool to see like the amount of people that are ready to uh, move on from that period of time, that little dark age. Yeah, they're there. They're, most people are, you know, man, it looks beautiful back there. I'm kind of jealous right now. I'm like, geez, man, <laughs> my back garden, it's humble, but it's cozy. Oh man, it looks beautiful. I'm like, man, that, and when I come out there, that's what we're going to have to do. Maybe we do it outside to share a couple of beer. <laughs> There's a, I mean, that's the thing about Northern California. A lot, It's kind of an undiscovered gem. It, there's a lot of natural beauty out here and nature. And being an outdoorsman myself, uh, you know, I appreciate that every day. Well, it helps too. Like, and that's one thing like. Uh, Good for your mental health yeah. and your physical health. 100%. That's exactly what I was going to say, man. So here's something to turn a little different. Um, It's, uh, I think it's TF. TFI Global News. It's a Indian network uh, in India. Uh, they were talking about, yeah, okay. So have you heard a little bit about how they're talking about Australia is kind of putting it to uh, China right now? So I, in the industry. So I got a little clip of that. I don't know if you you got anything on that. Like, you know um, you... I've been following the story. I don't have anything lined up, but I have a little bit of a perspective real quick before you go into oh, it perfect. further. But. Um, for me, it's uh, I think the Aus Australians, if you follow Sky News at all from Australia, uh, they are definitely not um, having a lot of faith in the Biden administration. Beijing Biden, you know, uh, the CCP has made major threats and has had ongoing uh, tariffs and trade wars with the, the Aussies. And we should really have their back, but we don't because we have what in, is, in my opinion, the most corrupt administration that we have had on our shores. And that's coming to fruition because look at uh, Hunter and his paintings. He got five hundred. I wanted to mention that last his, week, but uh, I missed it. But that's a really good point. Abstract art getting uh, all these anonymous uh, buyers yeah. for uh, multiple hundreds of grand of USD. I mean, it's pretty yeah. clear what's going on there. Well, they kind of cut it because we were on. Pri we'll see. We'll see if we're an hour today. If it lets us go uh, or not. Because I made it private last week, so since it was private, they don't let you maybe go as longer. But, yeah, I wanted to mention that, too, because I thought that was uh, another thing that we could point at about the corruption of, like, obviously, 
he that money is coming from something else. You know what I mean? It's not for that art. There's no way that a guy he's not like a revered artist. He's you know what I mean? Like I know that that art is perspective. Where was the art before before this story? I'd never even heard anything of it. <laughs> it, it it's probably like uh, making receipts. Like my homies that. Uh, allegedly do uh, illegal things you know they you do stuff like that you know you get a receipt book you you get one of those receipt books this is like the getaway like obviously they have way- put it on the books with the taxes yep. and kind of make it uh, semi-legitimate yep so now you can account for the money that's in your account and then i'm sure he's gonna wash some of that money with a donation to me maybe the clinton foundation you know it's a donation to a uh what's it called you know a uh charity yeah. if you <laughs> And so those are tax write-offs. For sure. So, yeah, so I thought it was nice to start off with this clip, uh, kind of like a little bit of the Aussies giving it to China. So here's a, it's about a 50-second clip. We've all talked about how Australia has given China a bloody nose in the trade war which the paper dragon waged against the down-under country. The Aussies have quite literally been landing solid kicks on the CCP's posteriors, and Xi Jinping is not liking this tad bit. What's worse, Chinese cities are going dark. Chinese factories are being forced to shutter down and ration electricity not to mention and China's steel industry is being pushed to the brink of collapse. All because Xi Jinping's ego war against Australia has gone awfully wrong for the paper dragon. After having taught China a lesson, Australia has emerged as a formidable power not just in the Indo-Pacific but across the world. Australia is today recognized as a country which has successfully taken on an extremely belligerent China and taught it a lesson which shall never be forgotten. Fully aware of its renewed stature in the free world order, Australia is now beginning to assume the leadership role in the democratic fight against China. Man, that guy was cracking me. Oh, man. He's all straight to their posterior. Like, because obviously they're, they're good. Are... <laughs> I like them. They have like that kind of, uh, you know, uh, a different sort of charm from yeah. like another culture. And it's, it's it's kind of the beautiful thing about the English language is it's exposed to so many different uh, groups of people and communities. Like, uh, it's a funny quote, uh, you know, just sidetracking a little bit. But Winston Churchill said it himself. You know, the Americans and the Brits are divided by a common language. Yep. And so it kind of got me thinking like this. Cause I was like, okay, well, this is what I see. Like, uh, you know, I'm a, I've been watching movies all my life, so it made me think of this clip right here. That this is uh, Aussies versus China right here. Give him your wallet. What for? He's got a knife. <laughs> That's not a knife. That's a knife. Good old Crocodile Dundee, man. I used to love that movie. Hey, man. I think it was Rommel who said uh, during the Second World War, give him a a division of Australians and he could conquer the world. Pretty sure that's a direct quote. Mm -hmm. So, you know, big up to my Aussie brothers and sisters out there. Uh, You know, they're good folk. Oh, for sure. I love the Aussies, man. They they cracked me up and... And I'm just so glad that they're they're standing up to China because there's so many people that are afraid to. More more so than very uh, a lot of other countries, you know. But the only thing that now bad news for them is that uh, going to COVID is that they're now having the military, um, I guess, distributing some of the. That's from the reports I'm getting. I have a little clip of it right now, and they're calling it like Operation uh, COVID Shield. I don't know if you heard about that. Uh, The PM has asked me to come and take uh, direct control of the rollout and all of the resources and assets involved in the rollout. 
this, of course, is building on the fabulous work that has already been done by many, including Brendan Murphy, Paul Kelly, uh, Carolyn Edwards, many colleagues at the Department of Health and the whole Vaccine Task Force. But this is a, a new phase now. The Minister's mentioned this new phase will be known as Operation COVID Shield. Uh, and I am uh, given the aim of ensuring as many Australians as possible get vaccinated as quickly as possible within the available resources, uh, and that's what I intend to do. I am presently conducting a comprehensive review of the program uh, to date, uh, and I will be looking for any opportunity to optimise the current plans to accelerate the rollout where we can as additional uh, supplies come online. We will, of course, be encouraging all Australians to get vaccinated as quickly as possible. Now, I don't know, like, I know they're saying with the military, I'm not trying to rile it up and say, like, you know, they're going door to door, but it's just always worrisome to me when you hear military involvement uh, in anything. Yeah, in anything whatsoever. So, but it also made me think, like, everybody always is saying, like, you know, oh, the Simpsons predicted this, the Simpsons predicted that. Well, did South Park predict this? Because I heard <laughs> this is a little clip from South Park. Remember the this is from the movie, I think. Italian five, raise your hands. You will be the all-important first attack wave, which we will call Operation Human Shield. Hey, wait a minute. Now keep in mind Operation Human Shield will suffer heavy losses. <laughs> it kind of reminded me of that, you know what I mean? <laughs> you cracking me up there. It's like we're South the... <laughs> Park, I think. Um but, yeah, that was yeah. South Park. That um because it feels like they're um trying to get people to get the jab and from what people are saying um that it may have long bad long-term effects a lot of people are worrying like they're talking about now that they've uh analyzed people's bodies and they thought that it would stay in the arm but it's turning out that that uh, that the protein's going through the whole body um they're finding it in all over so that may be some of the cause to some of these adverse reactions and uh I found another clip uh, that was going around. Um, I don't know if you've seen it. It was about an HR for an, like an oil company, and they're talking about how they pl have plans of replacing half of their staff in the next three, two to three years. And this clip's pretty interesting. It's about a minute forty-five because she's you know pretty worried about this because it sounds like what she says through uh, what she's talking about is this is how they do it when they're, you know, cause they plan for three, four five years, these huge companies, you can't just, you know, turn it off and on and everything. So I guess they're scrambling to be able to replace these people. So let me just. To this day, I am running a global uh, gas and oil recruitment firm. And the reason that this is important is because of what I am seeing as an executive in this industry happening right now as a result of the COVID vaccines. And it's something called succession planning. Basically what it is, is companies need to plan for um, what's gonna happen as their staff um, move on. Rather they move up the line, they retire. And succession planning is something that I help companies with professionally by offering them uh, recruitment services. So they'll come to me and say, hey, we're going to need 100 guys to, you know, staff this rig, so on and so forth. And so we'll provide them that service. Well, what's really interesting, what's happening right now, and it's actually mortifying, not just interesting, executives are having their uh, HR staff and their managers, superintendents, foremen go through and look at the staff that have received the vaccines and they're planning to have to replace them all within the next three years. 
He's got some of these guys literally in tears as they're going through the company and literally checking off all of these individuals that have taken the vaccine, knowing that most likely in the next three years, they're going to have to plan to replace that person. And this is a really big thing in the industry that I'm in and a lot of talk going on around this at the moment because these massive companies, massive gas and oil companies are looking to have to replace thousands of personnel and um, they're pretty petrified as for what's going to happen to their staff, but also their businesses, because they project that they're going to lose, uh, you know, roughly half of their personnel. So they know they're planning. It's not like something uh, just like maybe it might happen. It seems like they're pretty intense about it. And this her to speak out about it. To me, it has to be raising some kind of red flags towards this vaccine. Um, and we got to do something about it. Like, I don't know what to really do. Uh, yeah, I could send you that clip for sure. Um, oh, sorry about the clip too, man. So that's the only thing that sucks nowadays is because there's so many Zoom calls and stuff. You don't always get great sound and it sometimes com uh, clashes. I was trying to like mess with it. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know how much uh, I'm not in that industry. So I can't say, uh, speak to how prevalent that is, but it, to me, just being an outsider looking in, it does seem like it's very telling and it's a little scary. Like, uh, yeah, like perfect timing, right? When it's, <laughs> uh, you guys said at the same time. It's yeah, kind of it's weird. So you just roll with the punches at this yeah, point. Yeah, that's what we do, you know? And it's not even like a lot of stuff that we're doing too is like not to scare anybody. I just like, we want to keep everybody informed as much as possible. We're realistic here. We have to actually have the hard conversations. Yeah. And, show people the stuff that maybe we don't always get. I mean, we're fortunate enough to be in like, um, you know, the little realms and um, channels we've built. We have a lot of people around us that have tons of information. So sometimes I think that everybody has that same information because I'm, I'm constantly seeing like, you know, I'll see the same post over and over because we all post at the same time, you know, like breaking news or whatever. Right. But I guess other people don't have that same channel built or page built. They just have like, you know, different things. So, not everybody gets to hear all these stories, especially uh, around the globe. And um, even when they go viral, I guess, you know, because you, you got to figure even if 100 million people saw that there's 7 billion people in the world that that now the message is obviously getting faster. Yeah, that's nothing than than like 1900s. But still, it takes time to get messages out. And when there's conflicting messages that tries to drown it out. And I think that's what a lot of this like propaganda stuff is. And right now I noticed on the news um, that I'm gonna play this a uh, Schwab clip uh, because Klaus, yeah. Hold on, real quick. I want to say I've actually heard examples of uh, other industries, uh, okay. a couple airlines, for example, that are talking about rotating out uh, vaccinated pilots. So just to tag on to oh, the really? last clip. So that that is, and those yep. are, dang, that's pretty serious because the whole separate industry too, and I, I didn't hear about that one that you told us about yeah. and you didn't hear about the one I, I just, so. And pilots, I mean, here we go. Had, it takes time to find a good pilot too, like for uh good airlines. So they, they, they must be preparing for something. And it doesn't mean necessarily that like every single person that took the vaccine is going to die, but there's something that they know about it or that they're not telling us. 
And that's what, like, uh, I think they're trying to change the narrative a little bit. And that's what I was going to say about I want to play the Klaus Schwab because I think I play him. Uh, he's gonna he's talking about climate change a little bit. It's uh, from, a I think, uh, a couple months back. But I'm playing that uh, show, like, now that they're kind of talking about the heat now a lot. You know, they're talking about how hot it is in the summer. So here's Klaus Schwab. And then I'm going to play a couple NBC clips of how they really, like, are trying to scare tactic, fear monger people into the heat and going into this climate change uh, bullshit. Finalized, maybe, what we need is also a new mindset. Uh, it has been mentioned, uh, we, in the business world, we see now that companies who are not committed to ESG metrics, to stakeholder capitalism, uh, just to stakeholder capitalism, that um, those companies are on the wrong side of history. But it's not only companies. I think we also have to ask the question how we can apply the ESG metrics even to governments to, uh, because it's not just GDP. It's well-being, it's prosperity. See, they're just uh, pushing that narrative. And then, like, these NBC clips, look how, like, just the fear tactics is funny. In sweltering Phoenix, doctors warning the public touching a doorknob, a car handle, or standing barefoot on asphalt could lead to severe burns. Like, come on, man. Do you need the news to tell you that, hey, man, if it's metal and it's been outside, it may be hot? <laughs> Especially if you grew up in areas like that. I mean, I'm pretty far north up here in California, but it's still the high desert. And I have family in Arizona, and I know how hot it gets down there. So, you know, people know. But I think at this point it's just about, like, kind of the propaganda message is taking a more broad-spectrum approach and um, trying to just be – put the big brother government mentality in a glowing Yeah, and they want to make it to where – People are dependent and as stupid as they wanted them to be. They want people to be uh, stupid enough to, hey, should I touch that hot stove? Uh, I don't know. Let's try it. Like, maybe the government needs to tell me that I shouldn't touch that. Like, it's almost like we have to ask for everything. And it seems like they're trying to give us, want us to ask permission almost, you know? Like, hey, you think it's all right if we do this? Uh, check this out. And and I think it's pushing that. And I think for us, maybe we don't really recognize it as much, but... I think the younger kids have been uh, really indoctrinated in these uh, tactics where they're able to comply. And that's why so many young people in their 20s were freaking out about COVID because they never really had a chance to kind of rebel. We rebelled, you know, like I used to say this for for the last five, six years, like, but I was like, where's the system of the downs? Where's the rage against the machines? Not them particularly, but I'm saying the new ones. Like the new, I think it's coming because I started to listen to a lot of people. I'm coming out with some new shit, um, but there's other people that like I'm listening to. There's this guy. I'm gonna play his song at the end. This guy, I just barely, I barely heard him yesterday. Uh, his name's Jesse G. He he's got a pretty good song and a couple other guys. Um, I'm also putting together like a, a YouTube, Spotify, and uh, Apple playlist, like of like kind of truther songs, some of my music, but a lot of truther shit, like so that uh. Everybody can, and I'm gonna try to share them around so that people could maybe hear some of these uh, other great artists that have uh, putting facts in their rhymes and uh, finding different ways to fight against the censorship. It's just that's a that's a wonderful thing to hear. You know, um, a moral technique isn't enough. You know, we need people right now in the present that are actually 
putting out a lot of music actively, young up and coming people. Um, it's good, you know. We're we are in a culture war. Don't get don't get it twisted. And we need to be um, active and trying to promote good values that are for the better. Yeah, and if you want to add some us. music, either your music or people you want. You know, send it and, and anybody else send it <laughs> like I'm not we'll just add it and just keep this playlist growing and try to like uh, be another way that we could pass the message. We're trying to keep finding unique ways because they're going to always come after us. So we're going to always try to find different ways and tactics to uh, enable us to get the message out. Love it. Love it. Let's keep that going. Um, there's a few different uh, stories that I wanted to bring up this week. Since you've done a few clips now, I guess I need to kind of contribute a little bit. Um, top of the top of the list for me, and it's kind of heavy, like the, the opening of this episode. But um, from the Washington Examiner, from the 17th of uh, May of this year, is Marxism undermining the U.S. military? Diversity and inclusion? question mark or Marxist indoctrination the decision to relieve a junior space force commander of his responsibilities at Buckley Air Force Base Colorado is fueling a growing debate about whether Marxist ideology is poisoning the apolitical tradition of the US military in an interview with uh, Steve Gruber show podcast Lieutenant Colonel uh, Matthew Lohmeyer said since taking command as a commander uh, about 10 months ago i saw that what i was considering uh, fundamentally incompatible and competing narratives of what america was is and should be that wasn't just prolific on social media or spread spreading throughout the country during this past year but it was spreading throughout the united states military and i had to recognize that these those narratives as being marxist in nature lieutenant general S stephen whiting uh, Space Force Com Operations Command Commander relieved Lieutenant Colonel Matthew Lohmeyer of command on of the 11th Space Space Warning Squadron, Buckley Air Force Base, Colorado, May 14th, due to a loss of trust and confidence in his ability to lead. The Space Force Command said in a statement to the Washington Examiner, "Quote." My military, er, sorry, my intent never has been to engage in partisan politics. I've written a book about a pol particular political ideology, Marxism, in the hope that our defense department might return to being politically nonpartisan in the future, as it is honorably done throughout history, he told military.com. And just from some pretty heavy conversations I've had with people, um, in the last couple of weeks and you know we we were asking for it we, we we're calling out on past episodes for people to always just send in yeah. information yeah, and um i'm trying to work on a couple uh with uh, the homie bill um from uh what's it called woken uh bake podcast um he's got a couple of people in the military he's gonna try to connect me with so we could try to have some conversations i don't know if we'll have do, if they want to do podcast or if i maybe just like I can uh, honestly, they want to give me some notes because, yeah, I heard that from my talking to people like a lot of the people I know are not active anymore, but I'm trying to go reach out to all like my friends and have kids in the military. And I'm trying to um, get more info because I am hearing a lot of this Marxist movement and it sounds like that that 
you can see the, the the writing on the wall. It's it's the same as the, the the red guard. It's the same as like the Mao kind of movement of where you you know you attack from within and you you change. And they want to change the military out to the people that are dedicated to that ideology so that they have no problem with taking out somebody that has a different ideology. They want people indoctrinated into this ideology so that they can move forward and especially they're trying to do with the military. Um, which can be a dangerous thing, which could spark some kind of revolution more than it, anything I mean, else. We are still, even though we're sort of a waning or a waxing power, whatever way the moon cycles go, I get them mixed up, but, uh, that's kind of dangerous. Don't you think? Oh, it's super dangerous. It, it, it's playing with fire. You're because you don't know how it's going to react. Playing with, uh, hot nuclear fire, really. Well, yeah, real fire, like chemical fire that it, and I don't know how prevalent it is. Is it just those certain bases? You know what I mean? I'm sure that it's different and different units because everybody handles it differently, just like at different job sites. So we don't know how uh, much this is being pushed, but I will say like uh, one of the lead Navy guys was uh, pretty big on uh, talking about Marxist uh, values and this equality, like, uh, here's a perfect example, and especially because it's just so ironic when they're pushing equality, equality, and then they're still saying we need troops in, um, you know, Afghanistan and and boots on the ground in these Middle Eastern countries that have been uh, destroyed by imperialism, and then they get to come to us and say, you know what, it's your guys's fault because we need equality. Nah, man, you're the one that is blowing people up. I'm the one that's been telling you fucking stop that shit. But here's an ad from NASA, another. Uh, U.S. agency, and remember, Operation Paperclip, so this ad, they're talking about equality. Well, how is it so equality when NASA is a bunch of Nazis, literally? Like, not even, like, just talking shit like everybody does nowadays and calling people Nazis. They're literally former Nazis. At NASA, we're on a mission of equity, launching opportunity. Equal opportunity to challenge and inspire. To learn and thrive. To reach those we've never reached before. To use science, data, and technology to advance equity. To shatter boundaries. And break down barriers across America. To create a better future. We hope you'll join us on this mission. Yeah, so... You could see, like, we've seen all of them coming out. You know, you've seen uh, the the Army come out with, like, you know, equality type of, like, not even equality. They're talking a lot about equity. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, this equity of, like, somehow that, like, I don't, I, I, it's a Marxist to me um, terminology as what they're using because they're trying to say that we should all be equal on this, like, plateau of where we should also... What it, let's decode it real quick. What it really means is they want us all to suffer together, not not, not prosper together, suffer together. And that's what we have to remember. Like, I know a lot of people are against capitalism, but people don't really like really dig into it. Um, the crony, the cronyism to me is really the, the, the Achilles heel of what we've tried to do in free market capitalism. Free market capitalism is not actually fully functional in the United States of America. There's so much cronyism and, and this corporatist life, especially since the 80s, they've really gobbled up a lot of uh, not just real estate, which we've talked about with BlackRock, but they've gobbled up a lot of, um, you know, businesses and big businesses like Walgreens and CVSs have been buying like mom and pops um, 
pharmacies, especially after this pandemic, you know, they gobbled a bunch of those up. So we're constantly seeing these monopoly, let's call them out. They are monopolies, even though they may have a couple of competition there. It's like competition monopoly, you know what I mean? Where they have two or three, but really they may be owned by the same people. If you, when you really look into it, they may have like an umbrella company. That's a company of a company, but it's real. it's this guy's son, which in real, realistically it's, they're running it. And that's our problem. There is no real free market because free market should be all of us being able to, we can't sell what we want. We have to have different restrictions, different licenses. So those huge powerhouses have an advantage over us because they have that capital of where they can put all the money down for any kind of regulations or changes to regulations that may occur where that could kill us, the independent uh, uh, co uh, contractor or independent businessman that uh, wants to be an entrepreneur in America. So we do have to call those out. And I think uh, right now I'm very uh, inspired by the Libertarian Party, at least to the people that I'm listening to. And I will be releasing that, like I think Wednesday, uh, the uh, Clint uh, Liberty Lockdown. And he inspired me a lot with the uh, the whole uh, Tom Woods and um, telling me about Dave Smith and how Dave Smith may run. And I'm, I'd see a lot of hope and at least that we could get some, you know, uh, a fighting chance and um, try some different options instead of the same old, same old. So we could actually see if we can actually change the system. If we can't get a third party at all, uh, a realistic, genuine person in the office, the, the biggest office or any office, then it shows us that smallest, we'll never be able we to. Should we should focus on the smallest of offices. For sure. That, that should be like the goal. Like that's one of the things I bring up because I, I do think we need to attack that way more. We always talk about it. Even the libertarians talk about it too, but I haven't seen the plan action. go into action, action as much. You know what I mean? We need to see the action. And hopefully we do because um, they're going to keep pushing all this prop propaganda down our throat. And they're they're kind of ramping a little bit. They're not going too heavy on the COVID uh, propaganda, but they're throwing it in there. They're talking a lot about the variant, you know, the, um, the uh, Delta variant where they're saying that, you know, that one, you got to watch out for it. It's going to be super dominant. And um, we, we got to be careful. And, no agenda. I got this clip from them. Uh, it's funny because they're always talking about the number 33. You know, uh, they don't really say because of Freemasons, but, you know, a lot of people know 33 degree Mason, this and that. And, you know, you, if you really pay attention to it, you'll see 33s everywhere. You know what I mean? In the news, you know, you'll be like, hey, 33 people were captured today. 3,300 or 33,000. You know what I mean? You'll just kind of catch a lot of this. So here's one of them that they caught. And it kind of cracked me up. It's about Pfizer, and they're talking about how uh, it's 33% effective against the uh, Pfizer. Uh, uh, it's taken on new urgency as a highly contagious new variant sweeps through the country. The Delta variant has now been detected in 49 states and is responsible for 10% of new U.S. cases. I mean, it's a bad virus. It's a Dr. Paul Offit expects that percentage to climb quickly and notes that studies show the first dose of the Pfizer vaccine is only 33% effective against this variant. Only 33% effective. So I think they're also making that push because... It's not very, it's may not be protective at all, you know, and flu season is going to come back around in the fall and they want to have some kind of reasoning why people are getting sick and why they could say they got COVID and they could say, oh, it's this Delta variant. And, and if we keep playing that game, which I know a lot of people that listen to us and they're not playing that game either, but we got to find some of these, like, that's why I try to dig up as many kind of clips like this, try to find clips that can um, 
kind of sway people and and show them how they are going overboard. Because like that Dr. Wen uh, that's always on CNN, I got another clip from her, and she's just constantly uh, going on there and trying to like just rile people up into fear and like figuring something out. And here in this clip, she's just getting people so scared and talking about how like, you know, she's, she contradicts herself in it. She talks about how like we need to worry about the kids, even though that the numbers show that kids aren't really affected by it. And then she still goes, but you know, this many kids did die of it or get sick of it, even though it's a small number, it's very significant. And then she goes, what if it was a disease, you know, that uh, just was killing kids or, you know, she tries to, arrange her words to give you a word salad to kind of like fuck up your brain to just go with it and be like, yeah, the kids, the kids, they want to pluck on those emotional heartstrings. So here we go with Dr. Wen. There is this fallacy that somehow coronavirus is not a problem for children, that kids can get it, they'll be mildly symptomatic, if at all, somehow they won't pass it on even, or some people even think that kids are immune, quote, from coronavirus, and it's not a problem. And I just wanted to address this by giving readers and your viewers a thought experiment of imagine if this disease did not affect any adults, but only afflicted children. Because I think what's gone on is we keep saying, well, children tend to not get as severely ill as adults, which is a true statement. But just because that's the case doesn't mean that we should not pay attention to coronavirus and the impact on children. As you mentioned and cited, there are children who have died tragically from coronavirus. They've been hospitalized. There are also kids who are living with long-term side effects, many of which we don't even fully understand. For example, there was just a preprint, a preprint paper that came out this week from the UK, a study looking at the effect of COVID-19 on people's brains. They looked at adult brains, not kids' brains, but they found that there is a loss of gray matter, even in people who had mild COVID-19. Now, we don't know the significance of this. We don't know whether this happens in children. But all I'm saying is there are potential long-term effects in children as well that we cannot dismiss. We cannot dismiss the impact on children, the more than 400 kids who have died from COVID-19, by the way, disproportionately affecting African-American, Latino-American children as well. And so all this is to say that it's important for us to continue to emphasize protection for children. Yeah, like she, she, you see how she kind of just danced around and she goes, even though there's no statistics of this or even though that they were looking at adults or even though like she's just trying to put a seed in people's head so that they can be scared that they're like, hey, man, this could be a possibility. And they know that people will obviously protect their children the most. That's what you fear the most of is something happening to your child. So they want to ramp that up because to fight the the, the hesitancy of how they're, you know, how now it's like, I think 12 year olds can, uh, uh, have been the emergency authorization to get the, to get the jab now. And they want to ramp it up to get the, the, the younger kids. Right. So they want people to be in fear. Just like you, you can see the tactic. It's all marketing, t uh, strategies. Like just when they did, what did they do in the beginning? There's only a certain amount. We only have a million jabs or whatever it was, you know, like a hundred, like not enough for everybody. Right. Um, so people are like in hopes that at first and it did work. It, it Initially, there was tons of lines, tons of people. I got to get it. And you didn't have to go in that line. Now you're looking, you know what I mean? You didn't have to. But they push you into these directions so that you'll think a certain way to uh, make the decisions they want you to make. 
Most definitely. And I mean, this is just kind of basic one-on-one psychological warfare, but they're going to be pulling on the heartstrings. It's highly effective. It's been working for ages, ages, but they're doing it at a whole nother level now. Uh, Obviously with the targeting of kids, it's going to make parents more concerned. And I think this is a big push to kind of counter uh, all of the critical thinkers that we've been seeing popping up across the country uh, at school board meetings. Yeah, I, I definitely I definitely do think and they want to fight that somehow by changing their mind and thinking in fear because, you know, fear uh, causes people to lose common sense. And I think that's the um, the goal. I have a couple clips, but I'm not sure how much time we got. Like, I'm not sure. Um, I can give you an idea. Uh, we started around like 507. It's 549 uh, Pacific Standard. Yeah, I got like the time of the 40. But I'm saying I don't know if they're going to cut us off at an hour mark. So um, I don't know if you had that. I think you had. Oh, I already kind of dropped uh, one of them. I got a second one, but it's it's short. This one I got. um, I I didn't get to touch this last week. I know everybody talked about this. I know everybody like uh, this is for me. I love Jon Stewart. And I wanted to play these clips because I always loved Jon Stewart. Uh, I was a big Daily Show person. I thought to, to I watched him religiously. When he left, I stopped watching because it wasn't the same because his perspective to me was in the middle. Like, he talked about everybody the same. Like, he was the one pointing the finger at um, uh, Joe Biden being a creep long ago before everybody was saying it. That's how I I found your – that's how I found you and found your page was that post. Yeah. Really? (laughs) Because I – and and – and I thought it was so to set this uh, these clips up. I'm sure a lot of people have seen this, but I just wanted to kind of touch on it. Is John Stewart goes on to uh, cuck uh, the cuck report, right? The uh, Colbert, um, and you can tell that Colbert is like I don't know if they had like you know some communication beforehand if he let him know, but he is on defense. He's on total fucking chill mode, total fucking uh, protect the agenda mode. And I, John just like, not only to me it was great because not only did he get the information, he wasn't out there like, like, you know, ranting and raving like, no, you got to understand this is what happened. He just went out there and did it. What a, like what a go comedian does, man. And what he does, he's the best at this political commentary shit. Like that's like, that's one of my inspirations. Oh, an assassin. And and I'm going to play the three clips of this, and then I'm going to try to play the, the, the TMZ Peter Hotez response to it. So let's How do you go. feel about the science now? Well, so I will say this. I, I, and I honestly mean this. I think we owe a great debt of gratitude to science. Science has in many ways helped ease uh, the suffering of this pandemic uh, which was more than likely caused by science. <laughs> what, what, what do you mean by that? Do you mean like oh, this, so perhaps a... there's, there's a chance that this was created in a lab, there's an investigation? A chance? Well, but I, so, I, 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 oh my if God. there's evidence, I'd love to hear it. There's I don't a know. novel respiratory coronavirus overtaking Wuhan, China. What do we do? Oh, you know who we could ask? The Wuhan novel respiratory coronavirus lab. The disease... <laughs> is the same name as the lab. <laughs> that's, just, that's just a little too weird, don't you think? And then they I, ask I, those scientists, they're like, how did this... So wait a minute, you work at the Wuhan Respiratory Coronavirus Lab. How did this happen? And they're like, mm, a pangolin kissed a turtle. 
That could, that could very well be, and Anthony Fauci and Francis Collins and NIH have said, like, it should definitely be investigated. Don't stop with the logic and people and things. The no, name I, of the disease. Wait a second. Wait a second. The building. Wait a second. But I, I, it could be possible. You could be right. It could be possible that they have the lab in Wuhan to study the novel coronavirus diseases because in Wuhan there are a lot of novel coronavirus diseases because of the bat population sure, no, there. I understand. It's, it's like the same. It's like, a wait local a specialty, and it's the only place to find bats. You won't find bats no, anywhere else. Saying, oh, why? wait. Austin, Texas has thousands of them that fly out of a cave every night. Every night at dusk. Is there a, a coronavirus in Austin coronavirus? No, it doesn't seem to be an Austin coronavirus. <laughs> the only coronavirus we have is in Wuhan. Yes. Where they have a lab called... What's the lab called again, Stephen? The Wuhan I, Novel Coronavirus Lab. I believe that's uh -huh. the case. And now, how long have you worked for Senator Ron yeah, Johnson? Yeah, Ron Johnson in there. Kind of, I, to me, that was like a, a, a pop shop of calling him a conspiracy. The audience booed at that. You could hear yeah. him boo at that. Um, there was more. Just, there was way more that he said. Like, But the reason why I put those clips, I put the one clip about the science because I do think that's an important of how he poked fun of like how he kind of like pulled them in. Where it seemed like he was gonna say some heartfelt like um, thing about like you know science and this and this and that, and he pulled him back and goes, yeah, they caused it. And then you know like he did the comparisons. I liked how he com comedically was genius and just like in anything was genius because he pulled the simplest trick. Like it's the simplest, right? Like you go look, it just says that man. Like they're, they're, let's stop debating because it says that. And then the last clip. What about the bats? I, I don't see a lot of people uh, putting this clip out there, so I wanted to put it out there. Is there's bats it's in relevant. Austin, Texas, man? Like they're they're acting like that. That like uh, some of the clips you hear bats up here in Northern California <laughs> you know I mean? too. I'll tell you. So this Peter Hotez, he's Doctor Peter Hotez, and he was uh, he's you know one of these uh, fear mongers as well. He was on TMZ, and they were like he's kind of like um, talking about this, and they asked his opinion. And it's just funny. That's why I played the bat clip because he's talking about like, oh, well, you know, China has all these like bats and these like uh, certain birds and this and that. Like, and acts like there's no other bats in this whole like damn world. Like, like why isn't this only arising these certain places? And he he kind of dances around and tries to not like uh, nail himself to anything. Like so that way, like if something if information changes or comes out, he can be like, well, yeah, I was saying we should look into it. Like you know what I mean. That's what all these guys are doing, but I think it's just telling that they're mad. Uh, I, I don't think any of these doctors that I've seen, um, like these celebrity doctors or people that have been in the public eye, have given a genuine answer about anything. So here's Peter Hotez. Your take on what Jon Stewart said, because I know there have been a lot of people in your field who are upset about this, mm. curious how you feel. Here's what we know. We know that um, there's been the COVID-19 is the third major uh, coronavirus epidemic pandemic of the 21st century. We had SARS that arose out of southern China and Guangdong province in 2002. We had Middle Eastern Respiratory Syndrome in the Arabian Peninsula in 2012. We know that there's a confluence of those forces coming out of central and southern China because of the high population density, all, all of the animal reservoir hosts in the wild, including bats and livestock and, and, and uh, uh, water birds. And so all of that 
comes together in a perfect mix to explain why we see a lot of viruses arise out of China. To have to postulate that it came out of a laboratory um, doesn't hold water. And in fact, the reason why a laboratory, there are multiple laboratories devoted to coronaviruses across China is because they know China is vulnerable. So right now, the reality is there is no smoking gun to say that it's uh, of laboratory origin, either accidental or deliberate. It's not impossible, but what I've been calling for and many of us have been calling for is we do need to know the origins of COVID. Yeah, so they, they're just trying to pretend like they're still looking for answers. They, they, they call these guys up on these major networks and they just pump a bunch of bullshit that feed us nonsense that we already know that logically... Like he explained, like John explained, he he came to the simplest conclusion that can be deciphered to everybody. He he found a way to say it's so simple that I could tell anybody, right? He gave everybody the the, the key. You know, you just go, they say, and you go, dude, uh, coronavirus, coronavirus lab, boom, that's it. <laughs> you connect it. And we're not stupid. We can see that. And even the audience can see that. But now we the question is why? The, the, these are the questions that are not being answered is why do they want to do this? Uh, uh, what is the actual goal? And that's when you get into the World Economic Forum shit. Uh, and they've been kind of silent. They haven't been as vocal as they were during 2020 because even on their podcast, all these podcasts, they have. I was looking through them um, yesterday to see if I could find any like clips. And most of them haven't like, you know, posted anything new since like um, – uh, February, March, you know, back in early of uh, this year. And a couple of them have in May, they're, they're one, like their great reset podcast, the, the uh, house on fire podcast, which is all about climate change. So I'm like, they're ramping, they're, they're starting something and I don't know what it is, but it's going to be climate change. Climate change is like the thing that they can really press on people, especially the youth. Cause they get to the youth and say, you're not going to have a planet. You're not going to have anywhere to, uh, uh, to live. You know, you're going to be dead or if you are alive, you're going to maybe be living in a cave or under underground or whatever. You know, they give them these ideas, but they don't actually give them any solutions to actually fix any of it because their solutions are only profit based for them and their their cronies and the people connected with all of these shitty organizations that have been uh, putting their 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 hands on the world. You know what I mean? Like the black nobility, Illuminati Freemasons, whatever you want to call it, you know what I mean? It doesn't matter that there's many names because there's many fractions. But what we try to focus here is just to show um, just some propaganda to break down and to get people to realize that a lot of this is a cash uh, scheme or to get us to get into the situation they want. Correct. I agree with you 100%. And uh, you covered a lot there, so I'm trying to like process what to to go into next. I have a quick article maybe that would kind of link to the earlier part of your video, um, or your clip, I should say. Scientists admit lab leak hypothesis, hypothesis was valid last year, but kept quiet because of Trump. Last month, a group of 18 scientists published a letter calling for the for a deeper investigation into the origins of COVID-19, which would give serious con consideration to the lab leak hypothesis, which posits that the virus escaped from the Wuhan Institute of Virology. And that's one part of it. But what you were saying about the global warming thing, uh, to follow up on the other point that you're finishing with, um, just hearkening back to, what is it, two or three episodes ago when we were kind of uh, – 
raising awareness of the passing of uh, Rose uh, Rosa Corey. Uh, that's very much the the already stated plan of the globalist via Agenda Twenty One. They want to use uh, you know a climate change uh, or fear of a climate change calamity as a uh, justification for basically a one world government and a complete totalitarian uh, top to bottom governance of every individual's life. Exactly. And it's weird how these pioneers like kind of pass away um, before, right before something major happens, because remember Kerry Mullins passed away right before event 201 and there's going to be, um, I didn't, I'm going to bring it up maybe on the next episode I was digging up because there's a, a, a event 201 type of deal, but with cybersecurity going on uh, that I think it's going to go on this summer. And that's a, that's something we should pay attention to. I, I forgot what it's called. So I'm going to try to uh, dig some stuff up on that. Yes. Boom. Yes, you got it. Um, the cyber polygon. And it's just basically like war game type of things uh, similar to like what to event 201 was. And I think if we pay attention to that, we could see their game plan. They're putting the strategy out there in the open. We need to uh, be proactive and call it out. And if we could start calling it out and people seeing it more and more before it happens and we could kind of ruin their plans and not let it go the way they want it to go. Absolutely, my friend. And I think maybe uh, for a future upcoming episode where we've talked in the past on, on here and uh, off the actual live streams and the podcast itself, like going more in depth on certain topics. And I think one of the key ones that is more vital than ever is maybe to go into like basic levels of prepping, you know, kind of uh, elementary levels to just get people to be ready. Because I mean, here where I'm at, it, we're we're well into fire season already. It's bone dry out there. It's been a hundred plus degrees for a week now, and if I mean a lot of people do it already, but they have like a little bug out bag, you know, clo- uh, a few sets of clothes, some important documents, and I mean for I keep a few things just in my in in the cab of my truck to uh, just you know as a little bit of an insurance policy. And I think we need to kind of really double down on that. Yeah. That, that goes back to what we always try to preach too, is like being more proactive in this, instead of letting them dictate what we do or what they want us to do, we need to be proactive and say, we don't need your help. We can do it ourselves and we'll prep, we'll plan even with your strategies trying to, you know, uh, go against us or maybe deter us from the direction we're going into, we're going to find another plan and a backup plan to go the other way so we can constantly live on our own and not have to depend on the government as little as possible because that is the problem. They want us to be dependent, and the more dependent you are, the more you're at their will. You know, Whatever they want done is going to be done because they're trying to trick people. That's what the, you could see with this whole COVID propaganda, and they're doing, they were doing the same with the climate, is where it's you're not a good person and you want people to die like you're not a hum you're not for humanity if you don't agree with these certain policies and agendas that our rulers have deemed to be what is important so it looks like it is going to cut us off at only an hour probably because i i switched it but maybe that's good because maybe they'll uh, get off our ass for a little bit you know what i'm saying i think we've done a, a nice concise job so far but just to hearken on to that last point you were making, you know, 
there's a reason why uh, the legacy media and the deep state cathedral as a whole has been going after uh, rugged individualism as a, mm. as a kind of concept, mm. uh, you know, the, the, you know, the foundations of kind of the Western ideologies, uh, classical liberalism and focus on individual rights and taking responsibility for oneself. Uh, that stuff's been under attack for a while now, but it's kind of going to a whole nother level and there's a reason for it. And I think for a Father's Day episode, I, I think we need a lot more uh, fellas to step up and be strong, honorable men in what is what we're foreseeing as uh, dark times, hard times ahead, because every one of us is going to count when it really comes down to it, I think. It definitely, man. Thanks for everybody to tune in. We're out. Wake the fuck up or get woke the fuck up. Mm-hmm.